but we're going to stick around in uh, Deuteronomy Numbers. Um, First Chronicles might find its way in there. We'll see. Uh, but Deuteronomy chapter 1. We're going to start right at the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 1, but we're going to go down to verse 34 through 36. There's a particular gentleman um, that we're going to talk about today. Uh, this, if you know anything about Deuteronomy, this was like one of uh, Moses's kind of farewell books. Um, he he list he preached a series of sermons. Actually, uh, a lot of theologians believe that Moses preaching in Deuteronomy, the whole book is like the first sermon that's ever recorded. Um, Moses is addressing the children of Israel. He's really old. He's getting ready to die. They're about to go into the promised land. But Deuteronomy chapter one. The Lord is speaking here first before Moses gives his farewell address. And he says, Then the Lord uh, heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. I don't know if I even said that right, but we'll go with it. Um, He shall see it. And to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot, because he has followed the Lord fully. Man, what a cool promise. What a cool promise. Today, we're gonna talk about uh, this gentleman that, that the Lord specifically called out by name, Caleb. So what I wanna talk to you today about is just some qualities of Caleb, things that we can learn about the man that's recorded in the Old Testament and how that why that matters and how that applies to our life. Let's all lift our hands and we're gonna just open in some prayer and we'll get started today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the time we get to spend together and get to dive into your word. I pray that you would teach us something today, teach us something new that maybe we've never heard before. I pray that you would uh, release revelation in this sanctuary. Let me step to the background and you step forward. You've already begun a great work in this sanctuary and I know that you're gonna see it through to the finish. We give you glory and honor. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can all be seated. So there's this really cool guy in the Old Testament. First off, before I get there, let me say this. Um, Pastor, that was probably the best setup for this sermon in the, on the face of the planet. Because <laughs> you were all over uh, what we're going to be talking about today. This message today is a message of victory, it's a message of faith, and it's a message of faithfulness. Really, we can see in the life of Caleb a man who... Uh, You know, not much is recorded about him, but the way, the brief way that God describes Caleb shows us something about his character. It shows us something about the kind of man that he was. Um, And and really, he lives as an example for us even today. The fact that his name is recorded in the Bible, like, and God calls him out by name. It's, he's an amazing, amazing guy to study. And, uh, I mean, today, we're going to dive into who this guy was. If you know anything about Caleb, um, he was a warrior. He was also a spy. He was a follower of God. He was a pillar of faith, of faith 
in extreme adversity. He's a great picture of a man who stuck to his faith and identity in God even when he was pressured to change uh, his response to a situation or to kind of fold under the peer pressure of the majority. He's a great example of faith. He's a powerful example of a man that is faithful to God. You know, one thing that, uh, one of the most mentioned qualities of God in the Old Testament, I know I've mentioned this a bunch of times, and actually, if you were here the past couple Wednesdays when we talked about faithfulness, um, we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. I won't rehash the whole lesson. Uh, If you missed it, I would encourage you, come out on a Wednesday. Then you'll get the whole thing. But uh, I wanna rehash a little bit of this with you. Um, Because one of the most mentioned qualities of God is his faithfulness, in the Old Testament specifically. Did you know that the word faithfulness, when it describes God, is mentioned over 40 times in the Old Testament as it relates to God throughout the Old Testament? And that's not including synonyms of that word. And that's also not including stories where we can see God's faithfulness. So today, we're gonna talk about a man who was faithful to God. We know God is always faithful, but this man was faithful to God. So in Numbers chapter 14, verses 24, God says this, but my servant Caleb, so first off, he describes Caleb as his servant. This is Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. The first point uh, that I wanna bring out today is Caleb's faithfulness to God. So God was very impressed with the quality of Caleb's character. I, I am, it, it makes sense to me that because God is faithful to his people, when his people are faithful to him, that has to attract him. It, he, he's gotta take a second look at somebody whenever a human displays faithfulness to him. Because we understand this, that as humans, like we're, we're just inherently broken. We're, there's, our fleshly side doesn't work the way that God intended it to work. We were, uh, when God initially designed humanity and placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it was perfect. They were faithful to him. He was faithful to them. They had a perfect relationship. They could be around one another fully. They could speak face to face. There was no sin yet in the world. But when you study Genesis, you see how sin, when it entered the world, it caused the world to fracture. The world's broken. And as a result, humanity is broken too. So this idea of faithfulness, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness essentially is just being loyal and true. It's when you say you're gonna do something, you do it. It's when you make a promise, you actually accomplish that promise. That's why we call God faithful because whatever promise he makes, it comes to pass. Whatever he says is forever settled in heaven and on earth. There is no change. That's what faithfulness is. He is loyal to his covenant and he's loyal to his people when they serve him. So because God is so faithful, when he sees somebody who is faithful to him, he's attracted to that. And I would venture to say that he makes really big promises to those who display faithfulness to him. Really big promises. Caleb, uh, if you've heard his name before in the Old Testament, he shows up a few times. Caleb was one of the spies that was sent into the promised land before they actually invaded. 
So here you have a, a we'll, we'll explain this a little bit later, but you have a man uh, or a group of men really on the verge of seeing God's promise fulfilled. They were right on the border of Canaan. They go in, they spy out the land. They come back and you have the spies that gave a bad report and then you have Caleb and I believe it was Joshua that gave the good report of faith. And we'll talk about faith in just a second. But because Caleb believed the God that they served could accomplish the impossible and he gave a good report and he operated in faith and he was faithful to God. God gave him an extremely large promise because when you read in Deuteronomy, you have to understand how big this promise was. God said when the children of Israel were not willing to go into the promised land because of doubt, God said the entire generation is gonna die out. None of you are gonna see the promised land. That's what God said. But then he said, except Caleb, except Caleb, he's going to see it. Caleb and Joshua, the only two Israelites that went into the promised land to spy it out, they were the only ones that saw the fulfillment of the promise. Why? Because they were faithful to God. They were not willing to compromise their position as people of God. They were not willing to say, you know what, because you guys don't think we can do it, I don't think we can do it either. They didn't fold under that pressure. And because they were faithful, God gave them a huge promise. Everybody else is not gonna see this fulfilled except you, Caleb, and except you, Joshua. You'll be able to enter the promised land. Faithfulness. God is attracted to people who are faithful to him. And Paul actually describes this. If you were here uh, the past couple Wednesday nights, we went into this scripture a little bit. But 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. When we are faithful to him, and maybe we experience toil and, and trouble and whatever you want to call it, uh, problems in life, when we're faithful to the Lord, understand this. This is what Paul is saying. Your toil or your work is not in vain. You're not working for nothing. You're working for the fulfillment of the biggest promise ever that God has ever given humanity, and it is salvation. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whenever he describes this, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, I can't help but think of Caleb. Because Caleb was one of the men that faced extreme adversity from his own people. When he came back and, and all of the spies were saying, uh, there's no way we can do it. We're like grasshoppers, you know, in the eyes of these giants. The Nephilim are there, which were giants. Um, the, the people were so great. They had fortified cities. They had all of this stuff. And, and when you look at the comparison of people that were settled in the land of Canaan, they had cities like Jericho that had these huge walls, impenetrable. And then you have a nomadic group. The children of Israel literally had tents that they were walking around in. <laughs> Setting them up, when the presence of God settled, in a place, they'd set it up. And then when the presence of God moved, they'd move. When you look at that from a human's lens, you can see why they were, they were scared. You can see this. 
The children of Israel were not a military-trained society at this point in time. They were moving from place to place. God was leading them and giving them the victory, but they, they weren't. When you look at it on paper, there was no way they could win when they were fighting these cities. And that's why a group, the majority of the Israelites looked, and they said, there's no way we can do this. But Caleb, being steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, the Bible says that he quieted the people. And he said, what are you guys talking about? Don't you know the God that we serve? Don't you remember the miracles that he's done already? Don't you understand the God factor? We can do this. That was Caleb's message is we can do this. But unfortunately, the people, it wasn't enough to build their faith to the point of actually walking in that promise. And they said, no, we can't do it. God's response to that was one of judgment, but it was also one of promise. It was a promise to those who are faithful. So I will encourage you here, if there's one quality we can take from Caleb, it is his faithfulness to God. When God puts you on the path, you keep walking that path. Don't compromise. Don't fold under the peer pressure. Don't change your lifestyle because somebody has an issue with it, but it's pleasing to God. Don't change. Be like, if you're gonna change, change more like Jesus. Keep walking that path. Allow him to work on you. And even if you're faced in a, even if you face a situation like Caleb where you have to stand up and declare the faithfulness of God and declare that you are not being moved and everybody else laughs in your face, Stay faithful, because it worked out amazing for Caleb. We're gonna, we're gonna go towards the end of this sermon. We're gonna talk about the end of his life, and you're gonna see this promise come to pass. But stay faithful, because God gives big promises to those he knows is faithful. Big promises. And as followers of Christ, we're challenged in the same way all the time to remain steadfast, to remain immovable, to always abound in, in, in the, the work of the Lord. We're challenged every single day. Think about how many times like you go to work or you go to the store or whatever, and there's uh, influences from the world that just bombard us. There's pressure to change. There's pressure to compromise. There's pressure to water down the message so it's easier for people to take. There's pressure to change what we're doing so it's more appealing to whatever. There's pressure to not offend. There's pressure to all this stuff, to compromise truth. The, the days that we're living in, I, I don't know. I haven't lived a very long time. I have to imagine just that the world in general, because it's broken, things have always just been broken, Right? But there was, there's a scripture in Jeremiah that I often like to quote. And God is explaining to Jeremiah why there's so much trouble in the society of Israel. They had turned to idols. They were sacrificing all this stuff. And God tells Jeremiah, truth has perished. That's why there's all this problem. Nobody believes in the solid, firm foundation of truth in Jesus Christ. Nobody believes in the, the, the absolute truth. But so because of that, we experience so much pressure to compromise our beliefs. But can I tell you this? The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you empowers you to be able to stand up in times of pressure 
to be able to stand your ground, to be able to proclaim the good news of the gospel, even in the face of adversity, to have peace walking into trouble, to be able to walk through the fire and understand that Jesus is there with you. The Holy Spirit that's inside of you allows you and empowers you to remain faithful to God. But it's a choice. We have to choose the path of faithfulness. Caleb, when he brought back the report, the good report, I'm sure that he felt the pressure to change or amend his message. I'm sure he felt that. But in his mind, he had already made up his mind that it doesn't matter what people say or doesn't matter what people do, I will still serve the Lord. And there's a principle in there. Because too many times people wait until the time of temptation to choose whether or not you're gonna serve God. And unfortunately, many times it's too late in those times of temptation. But if you make up your mind today in the time of temptation, when it comes, because it will, it's much easier to stand firm and say, I have already chosen Jesus. I've already chosen the path of the Almighty. I've already chosen to be faithful. There's another great example of that, Daniel, in the Old Testament. The Bible says that he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He had already chosen that he was gonna stand firm on the law of God. So when the time of temptation came, he was able to say, I've already made up my mind. This temptation doesn't influence my decision-making. I've already made the decision. John Maxwell, who's a a Christian leadership author and and public speaker, he says this, that uh, in everything that you do, you you make the decision to do something one time and then you manage it every day. So choose Jesus one time and then manage it every day. As those times of temptation come, you go back to the decision, I've already chosen this path, I've already chosen this life and don't allow those moments of weakness or temptation to influence the decision on whether or not you're gonna live for God. That's what faithfulness looks like from the part of a human, faithfulness to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul explains this about temptation. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Did you know that? That when you experience a temptation, and all a temptation is, uh, it's an influence to choose something. It's an influence to choose not God, essentially. That's the way the Bible describes temptation. It's the influence to walk away from him. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It's the decision we make with the temptation that can become sin. Okay, so there's no temptation that has overtaken you such as is common to man. Did you know that if you're struggling with something and you're tempted all the time, tempted to to choose a path other than God, you could probably look around this sanctuary and there's a handful of people that are experiencing the same temptation. Did you know that? We don't walk this life alone. We're not islands. We're not all like, I'm experiencing something totally unique that nobody else has experienced on the face of the planet. It doesn't work like that. And that's where Paul, actually, this is an encouragement. This should be an encouragement to you that if you're struggling with something, there's other people that have struggled and made it through the other side and have become stronger. And now there are people that can minister directly to your need, people that can speak directly to the addiction you're struggling with, whatever. So it's an encouragement to know that you're not going through this alone. 
But then he says this, and God is faithful. Oh, so there's the word again. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will not, so that you will be able to endure it. God is faithful. God is faithful all the time. So understand this. This is what Paul is getting at, is that God, and he writes in other places in the New Testament, and this is a principle in the Old Testament too, God does not tempt humans to sin. God doesn't bring temptation to see if you're gonna fall or not. But what he's saying here is that everyone is going to experience temptation. And God will protect you if you are faithful to him. He is faithful to you. God will protect you through that adversity and that temptation. And he will open a door of escape. All we have to do is stay close enough to God so that when he opens the door of escape, we can recognize it and walk through it. If we are faithful to God and growing in our relationship with him, he is always faithful even in temptation. He opens a way of escape. What a great promise. But this was Caleb. This was Caleb when he brought the report back. I'm sure he felt the pressure. I'm sure that it was uncomfortable for him. Maybe he just had some supernatural Holy Spirit boldness where he could just stand in the face of everybody looking at him, saying the opposite, and then he gives a good report. I I have to imagine that he was nervous uh, because not very many people just enjoy conflict like that. But in his mind, he had already made the decision to be faithful. So he was able to set his discomfort aside and able to set the the peer pressure aside and set aside the, the pressure to change so that he could stay faithful to God and say, no, God has promised us this. It doesn't matter what the enemy looks like. It doesn't matter if it's giants or not. It doesn't matter if the cities are fortified or not. If God made a promise, he will see it through to the end. He will fulfill it. So really what Caleb was touching on was God's faithfulness. He was explaining that God is faithful. And in doing that and challenging the people, he was faithful to God. The second point that I wanna show you about Caleb's life is that he walked in complete faith. Complete faith. So like we already talked about, he already made up his mind that he was gonna be faithful to God. But once you make that decision, you, we have to walk in faith because many times we go through a, a period, a season, a period of life, and it's very easy to lose faith because we start seeing how big the mountain is and we start seeing how big the giants actually are and, and we're in the middle of the furnace or, or the furnace door's open and we can feel it's kind of hot and we're about to go in. So when you choose to be faithful to God, you have to walk in faith every single day. And that's what Caleb did. Numbers chapter 13, verses 30 and 31, this is Caleb actually giving his good report. I've talked about it a lot, but I wanna show you what he said. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So he's like, everybody's rowdy and whatever. And he's like, calm down. Let me explain to you something. And he says, we should by all means go up and take possession of it. For we will surely overcome it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against this people for they're too strong for us. So the Bible does a really great job of showing you conflicting opinions. And really what it gets at, there's a theme that goes from the Old Testament to the New Testament that there are paths or journeys that you walk. And that's, a, that's an example of life. So right here, what the Bible is showing us is that when Caleb and the children of Israel were presented with what seemed to be an impossible situation, there are two responses that you can have as a human when you look at the impossible. You can choose the path of least resistance, which is the one that says, this is too big for us, let's just turn around and not, not even go, not even try to climb the mountain. But then there's also the path of most resistance, which is also called the path of faith. <laughs> Have you ever noticed this when you walk in faith? That's usually where you experience the most resistance. Why is that? Because the world is contrary to God. When you follow the path of the world, living on this earth is fairly easy because you're not really coming across conflict. You have people that think like you, people that act like you, people that talk like you. But when you choose the path of faith, oftentimes you have family members calling you crazy. You got friends who leave because they don't wanna hear what you have to say. You have problem after problem because it's contrary to the world. So it can be really difficult. But the path of faith is also the path of empowerment. That is when you see the miracles of God. That is when you see the supernatural working of Jesus Christ in your life. That's when you see the mountains crumble and the giants fall is when you take the path of faith. And Caleb was challenging them. God promised us this. It doesn't matter. He said, we, we have to do this at all costs. That's what he said. All costs, by any means necessary, we should go in. Because God promised this to us. How many times in our life do we look at the debt that we have, the tough relationships we have to deal with, the abusive relationships we deal with, our workplace problems as impossibilities? How many times do we look at those situations and think there is no way that I'm ever gonna get out of that, that I'm ever gonna get through that, that I'm ever gonna fix that relationship? There's no way. If I can be honest with you, there have been times in my life that I've gone through something like that. Debt, harmful uh, relationships, uh, problems within families. And I've gone through it and looked at it and looked at those giants and those mountains and said, I, there's no way this will ever be fixed. There's no way I could climb that mountain. There's no way. And I've doubted. If I can be 100% human with you, so I know what that feels like to look at an impossibility and think that there's no way it can happen. But you know what? Caleb was not in, his decision was not informed by the giants. He had already made up his mind. It, when he went to spy out the land, I imagined that going in there, he said, it don't matter what I see because God promised this. He was informed by all the miracles that he had seen wandering to the promised land. He was informed by the manna on the ground every day, by the pillar of, uh, uh, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud that, that led them in the, the wilderness. He was informed by the quail. He was informed by the water that came out of the rock. He was informed by the branch that went in the pool to make the waters clean. He was informed by all of these miracles, everything that he had seen God do. He was informed by the, his clothes not wearing out, his shoes not wearing out. 
He had so much to look forward to and basing his life on all the things that he had seen from God allowed him to make that decision and walk in faith. Say, look, if God did all of this, a couple giants is a small matter. If God provided for millions of people in the middle of a desert, a couple fortified cities is nothing. That was the faith that Caleb walked in. Man, what a dude. And Jesus taught this, Matthew 21, uh, verses 21 and 22. He says, and Jesus answered and said to them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, so there's the two paths again, faith and doubt. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not uh, only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. This is what Jesus taught about faith. But you see the two paths again. He said, if Jesus said, if you operate in faith and you do not doubt, what that means is that you have a decision to make. When you encounter the impossible, you can choose to doubt and say it'll never happen, or you can choose to have faith and say, with God, all things are possible. But then Jesus also, when he witnessed a lack of faith, he challenged that person or that group of people. How many times did Jesus say, oh, you have little faith? Why did you doubt? When Peter is walking on the water in Matthew 14, when Peter's walking on the water and he's, he's doing good for a little while and then he sees the way, the Bible says he sees the waves, he hears the wind, he sees the trouble, he starts to sink. Jesus reaches out and saves him. But as he's pulling Peter up out of the water, he says, this is Matthew 14, 31, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Him walking in faith, hear this. When he was walking in faith, he was walking in the impossible. He was walking on water. When we make a decision to be faithful to God and then every day we walk in faith, it's like we're walking on water every day. We're experiencing a miracle we're, we're sh- having peace when we shouldn't have peace. We're, we're following the Lord across very deep, treacherous oceans, but we're able to walk on top of it when we walk in faith. The problem is when we lose our faith, when we choose to doubt, because that's what happened to Peter. He was walking on the impossible, but when he decided to take his eyes off Jesus, his faith started to shrink, and he started to think, how... How am I even doing this? This, Nobody can do this. This is impossible. And then what if that wave capsizes me? What if that wave takes me under? What if the wind blows me off my feet? And he starts to sink. But how faithful is God? How faithful is God? Because when Peter started to sink, he reached out and saved him. How faithful is God? He reached out, gave him a lifeline, challenged him and said, why did you doubt? But you know what's really cool about that story? Jesus picks him up, and then they walk back to the boat together. I imagine Jesus got his arm around Peter, (laughs) walking back to, it's okay, man. We'll get it next time, it's okay. But how faithful God is, because he could have allowed Peter to sink, and then just went back to the disciples and said, see, this is what happens when you don't walk in faith. He could have done that. But he didn't. He picked him up and took him back to the boat. Man, it's beautiful. But according to scripture, Caleb walked in faith all the time. 
This, this example challenges us. It challenges me to my core. When you see the impossible, when I see the impossible, I'm gonna make this personal. I don't wanna like say you, 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 you and call everybody out. When I see, this is a challenge to me. When I see the impossible, what decision am I gonna make? When I read about Caleb, that's, that's what hits me. When I read about him seeing the giants, if I saw the giants, what would I say? If I saw the mountain, would, would I have the faith to say, be removed and cast into the sea? It's a challenge. And then I read Jesus saying, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Because we're human, right? We're human. We deal with this flesh. Some people have just the supernatural gift of faith. Did you know that's one of the gifts of the Spirit is gift of faith? Now, the Bible says that God has given everybody a measure of faith, but there are some people that have a gift of faith. I have a great friend who cuts my hair, and I tell him all the time that he has a gift of faith because in his, when we're talking, he's like, I just don't understand why. People can't just believe God that he'll do miracles and he'll take care of them, and people have such a hard time. I'm like, dude, it's because you got the gift of faith. When you see that, to you, like, everything is like God will take care of it, but to, the, to another person, it's, they have a hard time believing. Caleb, I, maybe he had gift of faith. I don't know. He definitely had supernatural faith. But Caleb is such an example of walking in faith. Why do we doubt? Why did the children of Israel doubt? I believe that it's because they forgot about the God factor. They forgot about the God factor. They were so caught up in the problem in front of them that they forgot all about the miracles God had done already. But Caleb remembered the God factor. This isn't in my notes, but this reminds me of of the time that right after the feeding of the 5,000, they get in the boat and they go across the whatever sea it was. I can't remember because it's not in my notes. But the the wind and waves get crazy. They tell Jesus, you got to save us. Jesus says, peace be still, like all of this. And then there's a little verse right after that that says that essentially, I'm going to paraphrase it. It says essentially they had just witnessed a miracle they still had the remnants of the miracle in their boat and they still doubted. They forgot about the God factor. The children of Israel forgot about the God factor. And if we're not careful, when we see the impossible that's coming at us full bore like a middle linebacker ready to take you out, it's very easy to forget the God factor. So we remind ourselves all the time, with God I can do anything, God can do anything, God can heal, God can provide, God can make a way, God can provide clarity, God can fix broken hearts, he can fix relationships, God can do anything. And Jesus even said, with me, with Jesus, all things are possible. There's nothing impossible with our Lord and Savior, nothing. So Caleb walked in faith. Number one, he was faithful to God. He made that decision. And then every day he walked in faith. He managed that decision. The last thing that I wanna share with you, the last point, is that Caleb understood who he served. Caleb understood who his God was. And this part is funny. I love this portion of scripture because it's got something that I absolutely love in it. And I'll tell you in a second after I read it. Uh, Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. Now behold, the Lord has let me live, this is Caleb speaking, just as he spoke these 45 years from the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness and now behold, I'm 85 years old today. 
I'm still as strong today as I was in the day of Moses, or in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. The thing that cracks me up about this verse and the thing that I absolutely love is I'm picturing Caleb as an 85-year-old, wrinkly man, ready for battle. Like it, that just cracks me up that to think, <laughs> to think he's 85. Maybe he's got that get off my lawn type mentality at this point. And so he's about to take the, the Anakim off his lawn because God had promised that to him. Maybe he, was, maybe he was just cranky old guy. I don't know. But what's amazing about this is that God had fulfilled a promise and done a miracle. Like, I want to show you this. God allowed Caleb into the promised land. That was God fulfilling his promise because now right here in Joshua 14, Caleb's 85. God told him, you'll go into the promised land because you had a different spirit and because you followed me wholly. That's what God said. So now, the promise is there. He's in the promised land. He's 85. 85. And the miracle that God did is that Caleb said he's as strong today as an 85-year-old man as a 40-year-old man when he went to spy out the land. God preserved and gave him supernatural strength even as an old man to see God's promise come to pass. Remember how I said that God gives big promises to people who are faithful? He even strengthened the hands of an 85-year-old man to go and take fortified cities, lead the charge, wipe out this whole people, and then settle his lineage there as an 85-year-old man. He probably looked like that. 85, that blows my mind. But there are so many blessings when we remain faithful to God and we live in faith. There's so many blessings. And now you have this old guy. Remember Deuteronomy 1, 35 through 36. This was the opening text. I'm gonna come back to it just so you can see exactly what God said. He said, not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your fathers except Caleb, the son of whoever that guy is. Can't say his name. He shall see it. Now as an 85-year-old man, he's ready to claim this promise. He's ready with strength, with vigor. I hope I have strength and vigor when I'm 85 if the Lord don't come back before then. I'd like to be able to say, I'm as strong today as an 85-year-old man as I was when I was 40. I would love to be able to say that. But he was facing another impossible task. An old man leading the charge against fortified cities and an entire army. But what you see here, like he says, perhaps the Lord will be with me. Perhaps the Lord will go with me and he'll fulfill his promise. What that looks like to me is that since he understood who God was, he was able to walk into a battle with absolute peace. Absolute peace. Did I mention that he was 85? Absolute peace about that decision. 
you know, I had a, I had a question that I thought of. Um, actually, the Lord asked me this question. It challenged me when I was studying this. And I'll ask it, it's rhetorical. Please don't answer. How many of us feel like we could march into battle with absolute peace right now? Some of us maybe yes, some of us maybe no. Because we're human. The reality is, as humans, we have a very hard time looking outside of ourselves and outside of our circumstances to see the supernatural God that can provide peace and strength to walk through a battle, to fight a battle. Sometimes it is so hard to get beyond ourselves and say, well, I can't do that. I can't speak like that. I can't address a situation like that. There's a whole lot of eyes in those statements and not a whole lot of God, you know? So sometimes it's very hard to get past ourselves so that we can see the Almighty that can do anything. But Caleb, he understood who he served. I would say this, remember whose you are. Don't remember who you are. Remember whose you are, because that's where your identity is really found, in who God is, not us. And I believe that Caleb lived this, especially right here. He understood whose he was, not who he was, but who he belonged to. And in understanding that identity, he was able to march up a hill, fight as an old man, conquer fortified cities, wipe out an entire army with absolute peace. And I want you to understand this. If you were here um, on Wednesday, I made a comment. I heard a, a song recently that has just stuck with me and for the past like two or three weeks. But the one lyric that just keeps playing over and over in my mind is we fight from victory. We fight from victory. Caleb understood this. He didn't look at that problem as like, maybe I'll win, maybe I'll lose. In his mind, he already won. Why? Why did he believe that? Because he knew the God that he served. He knew the God that had already defeated armies. He knew the God who did miracles, signs, and wonders in the midst of the children of Israel. So when he saw the battle, he wasn't thinking, maybe I'll win, maybe I'll lose. We'll see what happens. He was, I am marching over there because God gave me a promise. And he's already won the victory. If he's done it then, he can do it today. So he fought with victory already in his mind. Jesus, I wanna encourage you with this. And this is where our, your comments today, Pastor, connect with this sermon. Jesus has already won the battle. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 57. But when this, when this perishable will have put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. So here's the principle. No matter what the battle is, God has already won. 
Pastor, you mentioned Isaiah. I have it in my, script, my notes here. I won't go into detail, but it's straight up in my notes. When Isaiah witnessed God's long train in the temple, what was he witnessing? He was witnessing the almighty, victorious power of God. He was, he was witnessing that train wrap around the temple, symbolizing God has already won. So I want to encourage you, when you go into a situation that seems absolutely impossible, when, as David writes in the Psalms, your enemies surround you, and they're looking to eat of your flesh. That's something that David wrote. That's pretty wild. But even when your enemies surround you, when the walls of the fortified city are too big for you to climb, when that mountain is too steep to get a foothold, you remember that God has already won. So you're not fighting. You're not fighting with the mentality of like, maybe we'll win, maybe we'll lose. Well, we win some, we lose some. With God, he don't lose some. He only wins. So when you fight with Jesus Christ on your side, you can be an 85-year-old person and climb a mountain and say, God's got me. God's got it. He can do it. He already did it. He already won. So we fight from victory. And Caleb understood that. Let's all stand. So there's three things we talked about today with Caleb. We talked about how he was faithful to God. In other words, he decided to follow his creator regardless of what was gonna happen. He had already made up his mind that he was gonna be faithful. As a result of his faithfulness, God gave him such a huge promise, something that none of his peers were allowed to see aside from Joshua, the promised land. And then after he made that decision to be faithful, he managed that decision every day. He walked in faith every day. He chose to focus on the miracles that he knows God can do. He chose to focus on the victory he already knew that God brought. He chose to focus on a power that was way higher than what he could ever do. And that allowed him to walk in faith every single day. And the thing that generated his faith, I believe, is that he knew who he served. He knew who he belonged to. He had already witnessed such great things. He had already walked in victory. He had already done all of this. He'd seen God do so much that when he was making up his mind to be faithful to God, I believe that he's, he's just, he was standing there like, how can I not follow God? How can I not follow the one who provided for me every single day? How can I not follow the one who gave me water from a rock in a desert? How can I not follow the one who brought victory and made promises that, and that, that did miracles? How can I not follow that person? But I also understand that being a human is extremely difficult. It can be very difficult. But I wanna encourage you with this. I hope that that is our mentality today. How can we not follow the one that saved our soul? How can we not follow the one that provided for us? How can we not follow the one that speaks to us every day, that, that preserves us, that makes ways out of temptation, that, that gives us clarity and purpose and a calling? How can we not serve somebody like that? Because that is the God that we serve. His name is Jesus. And if there's anybody here that may be struggling with your faith and that has never been filled with the Holy Spirit, 
There's a great verse that I'd love to tell you about. It's Acts chapter two, verse 38. The template of salvation. Peter preaches at the birth of the church and he says, repent, which just means saying, confessing sins and walking away from them. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Repentance allows God to forgive you of your sin. Baptism allows God to wipe it off your record. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is that Holy Spirit that I'm talking about today. That is the God factor. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what empowers a human to make the decision to be faithful to God. It's the infilling of the Holy Spirit that empowers a human to walk in faith every single day. It is that infilling of the Holy Spirit that reminds us who we belong to. So I wanna encourage you today, if you've never been filled with his spirit, today's the day. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, today is the day. And I promise you this, when you walk through that, your life is gonna change forever. And it's gonna change for the better. Doesn't mean it's gonna be easy, but it means you'll be filled with the spirit of the one who died on the cross for you, the one who bled for you, the one who rose from the grave and has all power in his hands. The God of the universe can live inside each and every one of you. So right now, as we wrap up, the altar is open. I would invite everybody who's able to come up to the front. All it is is a symbol of faith and response to the word that was preached. It's a desire, it just demonstrates a desire to get closer to God. It, there's nothing magical about coming up here, but it's a symbol. It's, it's something that activates our faith. It gets us moving. And then you can just close your eyes and lift your hands. And start talking to the Lord. If you're struggling with faith, God can strengthen your faith today. In Jesus' name. Your face.